Jackson on the drive, kicks it out for Mann. Mann, three-pointer, bang! Oh, what a man! Magic down the middle, just what I thought, a hook shot at 12, good! Here's Michael at the foul line, a shot on Elo, good! The Bulls win! They win! Now that's a steal by Murr, underneath the DJ, right there! Going up over Bell, Paul away! What's going on, guys? Welcome to another post-game recap here on Dime Dropper for the 2022-23 season. Tonight, we got the Clippers and the Thunder here on Dime Dropper. Before we get started, you already know the deal. Make sure to subscribe on Dime Dropper and hit the notification bell for all things LA basketball and Clippers and Lakers and NBA history. Or, you know what? If you just love basketball, please subscribe and hit the fucking notification bell. So let's get right to it. Tonight, the Clippers and the Thunder. Before I start about the game, I got to talk about what happened last game because technically I didn't do an episode for Dime Dropper. I only did Locked On Clippers, so I got to talk about it. Um, Paul George, man, that was really sad. Uh, I haven't had a moment like that as a fan since Sean Livingston where my heart kind of just stopped like that in the middle of a game. Um, it was really scary, but at the same time, it's, you know, we've been here before as Clipper fans. We really have. We've seen injuries that have changed the course of our season. Can look no further than, two, uh, obviously, Sean Livingston in 07, but 2016 when Blake and Chris Paul got hurt in the same game four against the Blazers. You know, the, the Utah game where Blake Griffin hurt his toe. All those injuries changed the course of our season, and I think this one will be no different. But thankfully, this morning, we got some great news, and that is that there were no ligament tears, and it looks like this injury will not need surgery. So that is absolutely gigantic, which means that we could see Paul George come back in the playoffs. But that being said, your star player coming back in the playoffs isn't ideal. Isn't ideal at all. I mean, we saw it work last year with the Warriors with Steph Curry, but there's two things there. It's the Warriors' system. And it's Steph Curry. And they've played with each other for years. They have no issues about continuity and chemistry, which is the biggest thing we use when talking about the Clippers. But until he comes back, it's going to have to be the Kawhi Leonard show, and you're going to need everybody to step up. I'll say this. The best version of this Clipper team, that, that being the best version without Paul George, can still get a lot of wins if the talent is properly maximized. And tonight, I think we were a little bit close to that. But Ty Lue still has his Marcus Morris Sr. conviction, which brings me to tonight's game on this Thursday night. Shout out to everybody listening right now in the live chat. 23 people here late at night. I didn't expect it to be this late, but I didn't watch the game on time. I actually started watching the game at 9 o'clock, and obviously I start from the beginning. I like to watch the whole game because I'm a nerd like that, and plus it's my job. But I got to watch the whole game. I was out somewhere supporting some of my guys that I coached uh, in basketball. So I have to start the game late again, and that's why I'm here so late. But I really appreciate everybody that's rocking with me. 25 people. Super chats are turned on if you want to drop a dollar a dime. Any donation helps. Maybe you can help me get a soundboard. I'm trying to think about maybe getting a soundboard so I can actually add some, like, you know, crack some humor with some sounds and sound bites or whatnot. But 
Shout out to everybody. Make sure you subscribe and follow me on the bottom line. It says it right there. Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper Pod. And of course, this also is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Even though most of my listening is on YouTube, if you are watch, listening to the podcast on Spotify and Apple, shout out to you as well. But it's definitely a lot better if you can see my face, isn't it? Anyway, let's get into the game. OKC and the Clippers, obviously a big game for both teams. They're both battling for playoff position. We just lost a bad one. We got to bounce back. And the Thunder are 36-36 and 36 heading in this game. They are above the Lakers and the Mavericks right now. I mean, can you believe that? Just a testament to how great of a season they're having. And somebody that I have not mentioned on this channel before and has to get his first mention tonight is Jalen Williams, the one with, I believe it's the E-N. The smaller one. He's been playing really great basketball lately, and I started to see a little bit of why. He's got great size. He is does not have a bad handle. Got to his spots up a couple times. Now, I don't know what his spots are because I don't watch him consistently, consistently enough, but he was able to get two feet in the paint and hit some nice leaners, fallaways, and he can hit the three ball. So that guy's definitely got some good potential, and yes, it does hurt a little bit considering it was the pick that we traded to the Thunder, because obviously with their own selection, they took Chet Holmgren this year, who's been out for the entire season um, due to that injury he suffered in the Pro-Am game that Jamal Crawford set up in Seattle. So, you know, Chet Holmgren, by the way, I saw him uh, play live last year at the Firestone Fieldhouse against Pepperdine, which, and he wasn't that impressive, by the way, but Gonzaga and team basketball has a way of kind of, you know, college basketball is so different than the NBA, and... Sometimes it can limit the individual. It's more team basketball, system basketball. And remember, you can play blatant zones in college basketball with no defensive three-second violations. So you can just camp out in the paint, play traditional zones, so it's really hard to score. And also, you have this three-point line moved in, so the spacing is so much more clogged. It's a totally different game. But that being said, Chet Holmgren is more of a... I think he's going to grow into something. And I think, obviously, it was a good pick. But we have to see him play in the NBA. But he's gonna, they're going to get another couple picks. Two first-rounders this year. Listen, they obviously are set up for a great future. And SGA is the biggest part of that all. I mean, Giddy's fantastic, too. But the, the leap that SGA has taken is insane. Even me, who had him on my team, and all of us had him on our team, the Clipper fans, we knew he was going to be special, but this is crazy. He's scoring 30 points with ease. When he's doing it and you don't really even notice, it's not an in-your-face 30, he does it so effortlessly, that's when you know he's a real 30-point-per-game scorer. In the beginning of the season, you thought, okay, maybe he's just off to a hot start. He'll average like 27, 28. He's not going to actually average 30. Well, oh no. He's unguardable now. He's reached that level. His mid-range is fantastic. He does change a pace, but he's not the fastest. He's very crafty. He's got a great floater, great finishing with both hands. And I got to give a shout-out to my former trainer, the guy that ran the clinics that I attended for several years, my man Olin Simplis. I saw him there courtside tonight, and uh, he's put in a lot of great work with SGA. And obviously, I'm not, I haven't spoken to him in years. I don't even think he'd recognize me if he saw me because I don't have my glasses anymore. But, I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie was definitely one of his good, uh, the guys that came aim out but I don't know his whole like lineage of guys that he's trained or developed at that young age but I've been seeing him work with SGA for years I think he actually posted on his Instagram SGA working out of my high school a couple years back and so shout out to Olin um, I think he definitely made his clinics definitely helped make me a better player and man he's doing great work with SGA I don't know if that's his primary trainer or just one of many but he's become a stud in this league and he's on superstar potential track right now 
And I'm really happy for him. I'm really happy. And I know what everyone's going to ask. Do you regret the trade? No. No, I do not regret the trade because any idiot in their right mind would have tried to get Kawhi Leonard at that time coming off a finals MVP. There's no debate about it. Zero. And Paul George coming off his best regular season. Listen, we knew SGA was going to be a stud, but nobody could have anticipated 30 points per game in year five. Nobody could have anticipated that. So, or maybe Olin and SGA's family. But Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, like, let's stop with that. We will see who wins the trade long term. Right now, they haven't made the playoffs besides one year in the bubble. And we made it to the conference finals at our best finish ever. Lost in a game seven in the second round in the bubble. Had a better season than them last year. So, I don't know. I'm not ready to They haven't won the trade yet. They look like they're going to. First of all, if they don't make the conference finals at the, at the height of their potential, then who really wins the trade? So whatever. I'm not going to predict the future. Let's get into the game tonight because I've already lagged on it enough. But why not? I haven't talked to you guys in a couple days. It's nice to go in depth about some more things. We, don't really, we haven't seen the Thunder really talked about them since the first two games of the season where they beat us in Oklahoma City and I was fuming. That was the beginning of my rage of the season. And it's so funny that everybody was telling my ass to calm down. But we are sitting here now 39-35 and 35 with eight games left. The best record we could possibly get is 47-35. and 35. You know who finished 47-35? and 35? The 06 Clippers. Eh, you know what? I'm not ashamed of that, actually. If we can finish with the same record as them, I'm okay with it. Even though this team has more talent. But that team, you know, there's no load management back then. And they played with, they were met on a mission. Anyway, let's get into it. Starting lineups tonight's game for the Thunder. SGA, Josh Giddy, Lou Dort, then both Jalen Williams. They have that other Jalen Williams who I'd never heard of until these games. Um, looks Blasian. Does anybody know if he's Blasian? He's got that look, black and Asian. Uh, and his his Jalen is spelled differently. His is J-A-Y, and then Jalen Williams, the one I was referring to, is J-A-L-E-N, I believe. Let me double-check that. Yes, J-A-L-E-N, like Jalen Rose. Clippers with their normal starting lineup, except Eric Gordon replacing PG, which, let's be honest, we knew that was coming because Ty Lue is a heavy offense leaner. And in this game, I was telling some people, you know, one of my good friends, he's a betting fiend. He was talking about placing his bets on the Clippers. And I always have a golden rule of betting for all my betting guys out there. Never bet on the Clippers. Never. <laughs> They're extremely unreliable. However, I had a good feeling about tonight. You know why? Because I knew Kawhi Leonard was going to get 30 at least. Because great players, superstars. You know what? People always ask about a superstar, right? And what the definition is, and it's super subjective. I have a certain definition, but I don't think I can write it out for you. It's kind of my eye test. But I'm going to say this. Two, two things I say about superstars. They elevate their game in the playoffs almost all the time. And they don't have two bad games in a row. Paul George has games where he's two or three bad games in a row. Usually he doesn't. He responds. But Kawhi Leonard, if he has a bad game, he's coming back with a great game. You know, he's coming back with a great game. Um, I can't remember the last time where... Kawhi Leonard at, although you know what the closest I'll say is the first two games of that Jazz series before he got hurt he was not playing well in Utah and then in games three and four he went crazy um, but this game he started out five for five and all his first five shots were mid-range pulls from the elbow either elbow it was hilarious either in drop coverage or one-on-one -on -one. and you know as I said 
when Kawhi's not just dancing behind the three-point line and he's catching the ball 18 feet away or closer, he doesn't need to get no, there's no running start stop on a dime. He gets walked, he can walk into it one or two steps, get into a shot, and he was just absolutely cash. And it was crazy because it doesn't, didn't matter if it was threes or mid-ranges tonight, his jumpers weren't hitting any rim at all. Either they were swishing or barely even touching net. That's how cash they were. These line drives, I mean, Kawhi Leonard's jumper, like, I cannot, I've never, and I'm not exaggerating, I mean, obviously I've only watched, you know, slightly under 20 years of basketball, like a magnifying glass, but I have never seen a player improve his jump shot like this. Like, this is insane. He was supposed to be a Bruce Bowen's replacement, a more athletic new Bruce Bowen. This dude, <laughs> what was he tonight, man? This was the highest field goal percentage of the season. 13 for 15. And all his shots are jumpers. Every single damn one, basically. Or floaters. Like, he's not getting any. I don't think he had one dunk or, like, clear-cut layup in this game. These are all really difficult shots. And he's just unbelievable, man. They're definitely the best player we've ever had. And I, when nights like this, you don't take it for granted. And it's going to take... Him being not like this, shooting like this, but just playing at such a high level for us to stay in the championship picture without Paul George. If it's going to take heroics, but if there are, there are a few people capable of it in today's league, but one of them that can do it is this guy, Kawhi Leonard. And what I liked, he didn't really have much on-ball defensive moments in this game, but any pass that was thrown in his vicinity was snatched. Like he, his hands are unbelievable. I mean, Every single 50-50 ball in his vicinity, I think he's going to come up with. And more often than not, he does. That could be rebounds, loose balls, passes thrown in his, you know, in his area code. And uh, that area code happens to be 213 right now. And Kawhi Leonard had four steals in this game. And the Clippers went nine deep. But get this. Robert Covington didn't play. Of course, he comes in, starts chucking up shots, starts missing, and Tyloo's like, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> it's insane. Rocco is making $11 million a year to warm the bench. Unbelievable. But in this game, he replaced him with Busy Bones Highland. And oh boy, that was a good decision by Tyloo. Now, before I get into the bench, I want to say, Marcus Morris, man, Bless his soul. Six points, four rebounds, three assists, three for 10 from the field, and 0 for 4 from three in 25 minutes. Now, OKC in the first half was attacking him and putting him in the action quite a bit. And they were getting by him quite a bit. And he's just slow, man. Even my dad was watching the game and telling me, he was like, he doesn't really bend his knees. I'm like, dude. It's like, he made one shot in the first quarter. Again, it goes back to what I said about when he starts, he gets two stints in the game. Terrence Mann only got one stint in that first half, and he was fantastic when he came in. I'm going to talk about it in a second. But Senior, after the first quarter, his legs go. His legs just go. He's barely drawing iron. He's airballing. You know, listen, when you shoot two shots in a row from the same spot, it's especially the NBA players. Like, I, it's not a surprise if I miss two in a row. But even me, I'll get pissed at myself if I miss two wide open shots in a row from the same spot, even if it's from three. That's the standard I hold myself to. But 
NBA players rarely, when they're good at shooting the ball, miss a jump shot from the same exact spot in the same possession when they get a chance. Because when you miss that first one, you feel it off your fingertips. You know if you put too much on it, right, left, whatever. So you know how to adjust on that next shot. You got that sense of rhythm just now by just catching it and shooting it. So now you get it back, you can adjust. For him to get so short both times on the same possession showed me that he had no legs. His shit is cooked, bro. Ty Lue is putting him out there to fail. You can't even get mad at him anymore. He's being put out there to fail. Actually, yes, you can because he didn't accept his bench role, so I can't be mad at him. But yeah, it's garbage. But the bench came in, right? And Kawhi Leonard with the bench, that, you know, Mason Plumley, uh, Bones, Nico, and Terrence alongside him was great. I mean, Kawhi was 7 for 7 in the first quarter. He was just lights out. And Bones came in and hit a, a spot-up three. And the one Russ, by the way, had a terrible first quarter. They were sagging off him like crazy, and Lou Dort was there. So when Russ was catching the ball and trying to attack, Lou Dort's chest would be there, and he was just running into a wall and turning the ball over. It was, it was bad in the first quarter from Russ. But Kawhi, Terrence Mann came in and scored, I think, nine points instantly when he came in in the game in the first quarter. Hit a three in the corner from Kawhi, who also had some amazing passes tonight. Some cross-court passes, passing the pick and roll. But one thing that was really interesting about Kawhi, he doesn't really hit the roller that much. Tonight, he didn't hit the roller at all. I want you guys to pay attention to that. He doesn't take that risk with the pass. And that's honestly a good thing. I, I prefer no turnover. But some of those passes with Terrence in the short roll or Zubots or Mason rolling to the basket, he wasn't even passing him the ball. And I feel like now it makes sense because, you know, if I'm the defense and I'm going drop coverage on Kawhi, you're big, you're, whoever's guarding the screener cannot drop too deep because he's going to walk into the mid-range all day long. you got to come up a little bit and try to make him turn the corner. And that's one thing Paul George does a much better job of than Kawhi is turning the corner on the big man in drop coverage. Kawhi Leonard rarely gets the, the corner turn. But today he was making, doing a good job of feeding guys outside, you know, for threes. But here's the thing. When they're not guys that can attack closeouts, he, Kawhi is not creating the separation for, the, for their, the guys that are guarding shooters to come help so he can get them open shots off one pass. A lot of it was Terrence Mann making a secondary play and all that. So I just want to make, make sure people look at that. I want to point that out. Kawhi was not hitting the roller. That's why I think Zoo barely touched the ball. He only shot three times. There you go. Point, proves my point. He wasn't getting the ball like that. And he was setting a lot of screens. But I'm not complaining. I'm just saying something to look at. But Kawhi, he was amazing in that first quarter. Terrence Mann, also really good. Got to the line four times in addition to that, those uh, five points. He scored up to two field goals. Second quarter, we were poor. And that was when we had Russell Westbrook in with the bench. Kawhi came out. And Russ actually had a good second quarter scoring the ball. You know, he got to the to the key, had a couple leaners going left, hit a mid-range on the elbow, got to the basket a little bit. But our offense was just was just no good. We were turning the ball over too much. We had 10 turnovers in the first half. EJ wasn't great. Mason wasn't doing much. Um, Bones was decent in the first half. He added a little bit of speed. But then we put Marcus Morris back in the game for Terrence, and then we just cannot... We weren't able to get rebounds. We were just slow and ball watching so much. I was getting really frustrated that Terrence Mann played that well. And then Marcus Morris was ending the first half, like just playing so much. So we we were tied up going into the half. SGA was methodically scoring. I mean, 19 points. And by the way, Russell Westbrook was guarding SGA basically the entire game when he was in. And I got to say, the first half, even though SGA had his 19, I thought Russ 
tried hard. Like, not as good as the other night, which was, in my opinion, his best defensive game as a Clipper. But he was still trying to recover hard when he was getting over screens against SGA. And also, he had a nice block. I'm trying to think if he had multiple blocks. Let me, let me look. Only one block. We had a nice block in the corner. So I thought Russ's defensive effort was much better, especially in that first half. But second half, that's where we started to do our thing. Kawhi Leonard, by the way, did not shoot in the second quarter. That's unacceptable. He played like seven minutes of the second and didn't shoot at all. Coaching staff should be held accountable for that. Russell Westbrook as the point guard's got to be held accountable for that. And Kawhi, more than anyone, should be held accountable. You can't... I don't care... I heard, you know, what Christina Pink said, Brian Shaw said at halftime. Our spacing wasn't good, you know. We got to give Kawhi more space. Bro, you're a mid-range sniper. Fuck that. Like, that's not an excuse for seven minutes. You know what? If you really want space, you get the ball and tell everybody to clear out. You have a voice, buddy. You can use it. So, no excuse there. But in the third quarter, he continued where he left off in that first quarter, getting to work. His three ball was just cashing. I mean, in transition, pull up. Like, I was looking at, you know, turn around. He had that left wing. He was on the left wing, caught the ball, hit him with a little half spin, turn over the right shoulder. Mm, love that, man. Great fundamentals, good footwork. Um, it's not as fast of a half spin as, as Bean or Mike, but it gets the job done nonetheless, right? He sells it. And he's, more importantly, makes the shot. Kawhi, my dad and I were watching the game, and we were just laughing at that point. I mean, he was in everything, it was crazy. And Russell Westbrook was awesome in the third quarter offensively. I mean, those two and ones he had were beautiful. I love the first one. Caught the ball, attacked, did not feed the, uh, you know, did not bail the defense out by shooting that three-pointer that they want him to take. He was wide open, but instead he attacked the basket and finished with a nice left-handed layup off the glass against the Blasian-looking Jalen Williams. What a finish. And then there was another one where SGA was wrapping him up and he threw it up off the glass and banked it in plus the foul. Threw it up off the glass and banked it in. But the guy was hooping in that third quarter. And I mean, I don't know, man. I'm really, Russ is starting to grow on me of this team. I'm not confident with him closing still, though. I'm really not in close games. But besides that, I enjoy him. He comes with his mistakes, but he has heart, he has a voice. I love that because I'm, I mean, I don't know. We all have our own biases to a degree about who we like. It's not about the analysis to me. It's about who I, this is just, I'm talking pure fandom. I relate to guys that are emotional and vocal because I'm emotional and vocal. (laughs) So like, I like that about Russ and he just plays hard and like, he looks like he's having fun. More than anything, that's why Magic Johnson has, has grown into my favorite player. Like, because he looks like he's having the most fun when he plays basketball. I love this game. And I like showing that I love this game. I like people that do the same. Russell Westbrook, man, shout out to you. He was playing well in that third quarter, but Kawhi, he was great. And more than anything, I mean, Marcus Morris, he started playing a little better at the end of the third quarter. Like, he had some decent defensive moments against Josh Giddy because Josh Giddy's not the quickest guy in the world. So, like, at the end of the day, the one thing about Senior is that you can make an argument for is that he's strong. He has a big body, so at times, if you try to challenge him and go to his chest, he can stand up strong and hold his own. But overall, man, he can't move like that. And teams are going to continue to put him in the action. And late in the third quarter, the game flipped with a snap of a finger. And that was the introduction of Terrence Mann and Busy Bones Highland. I believe they came in for Eric, or Eric Gordon, by the way, who got a little bit better as the game went on. He hit two right wing threes. I believe that was, no, it was at the end of the second quarter. 
And then he had an and one in the third quarter. But let me look just to remind who Terrence came in for. It was Bones Highland and Terrence Mann came in for Russ and Eric Gordon. So that was a pattern in this game, the substitutions. Bones and Russ, I'm sorry, Russ and EJ came out for Bones and Terrence. And then a couple minutes went by and then he put Nico and Mason in for Zoo and Senior. Senior should be the first starter out in all circumstances. But again, Ty Lue loves him to death. Terrence Mann and Bones Highland completely changed the game. You know why? Because they actually are young and have some pace. Pushing the pace, attacking closeout. More than anything, the biggest thing the Clippers lack is getting two feet in the paint. That's why they got Russ. But the thing about Russ is teams already are going to be near the paint because they don't respect his jump shot. With Bones and Terrence, teams are coming out so they can attack closeouts, especially Terrence. And Terrence's, you know, jump passes and baseline kickouts are really fantastic. And, I, well, you know what's funny? I was actually watching some college highlights because I was just like, I kind of want to see what Terrence looked like at Florida State. Because when I was watching the real games in real time, I didn't, you know, I didn't think this guy was going to be a clipper. So, you know, you're not paying attention like that. But Terrence, man... And I was seeing it with Leonard Hamilton. And I remember that he's, he went in college for four years. He went to college for four years playing with a high IQ system and a high IQ coach. And his mom obviously played basketball and is a coach now. So, like, the guy, he ha- comes from a basketball background. He comes from a background where he just gets how to play the game. He does the little things well. Cuts. You know, pushes the pace. Attacks closeouts. Doesn't take too many bad shots. And by the way, he had a nice step back long, too, in this one. But... More Terrence Mann equals more good basketball. And everyone can see that. I don't want to say accept the coaching staff because the coaching staff may see it and just don't have the, you know what, to, to do it. But again, I'm not behind the scenes. Point being, Terrence Mann was fantastic, but the fun part for me was busy because he's the one that hasn't played for a minute. He's not in, in the rotation. But I got to give Ty Luke credit here because Mike Malone and whatever happened with the Denver coaching staff, clearly it didn't you know, sit well with Busy. You know, he had the whole, he flew separately in the plane. He left the game, all that shit. But when, I don't remember which beat writer wrote an article that Ty Lue had a real conversation with Busy, told him his role, and clearly Busy has stepped in. He's still been enthusiastic on the bench. He waited for his opportunity. He came in and did his job. And I love the energy he plays with. He plays with pace. He's got that shifty niftiness. And, you know, he said one of his favorite players of all time is Jamal Crawford, who, of course, is one of my favorite players of all time. And if you're a Clipper fan, should be one of your favorite players of all time because who doesn't love Jamal Crawford? I mean, are you kidding me? And Bones has a little bit of that herky-jerkiness in his game, man. And I love watching him play. And I think it's the funniest thing of all, and no disrespect to the main man, number one, Reggie J., but Denver Nuggets fans were in my mentions talking about, you, good luck with Bones. You know, we're going to be fine with Reggie. He doesn't have to have a big role here. <laughs> Bones is better than Reggie right now. Regardless, Reggie, I love him, man. But he's not good enough to play rotation basketball for a championship contender in this year of 2023. And you know who's figured that out right now? Mike Malone. The only reason why he was playing was because Ty Lue fucks with him, and because in 2021 and 2022, he was dope. He was the man. But he fell off a cliff. He's been playing a lot. Bones Highland is young. He's ready to prove himself. 
and he was hitting the three ball, getting two feet in the paint. He's an underrated passer as well. Better passer than Reggie. Had some nice dump-offs, one to Zoo. He had nice passes to Robert Covington even in garbage time, but some nice kickouts. And you know who needed it? We needed this game from him. We were waiting for it. He's been in a slump, but Nico Batum. Where's my Batum Battalion at, guys? This guy was hitting everything. Finally. And you know he's going to get steals. He's going to do all the little things. That's what Nico does. But when he's in the three ball, he's just awesome. He's just awesome. And Terrence Mann, Russell Westbrook, Kawhi Leonard, and Busy were creating shots. Those four. Eric Gordon, not as much. It was those four. And I thought Mason Plumley was great in the second stint, in the second half. He was rebounding, and he just does his job. I mean, he's just a great backup center to have. We should definitely re-sign him this summer. He's not as good as Zubats. That's obvious now. But... He's there to rebound. He's there to be a presence. I mean, the biggest thing was we were getting crushed on the glass and on the interior when we didn't have a backup big. He at least gives us some stability. We don't get destroyed on the inside. And he also, you know, did a good job of finishing, setting good screens. That's one thing. you got to set good screens. You know, teams are going to still play the pick and roll straight up now that we have a real center roll into the basket. When we had Rocco and Nico Batum out there in the beginning of the season playing small ball five, teams are going to switch that. Because you're not gaining a size advantage, really. Nico and Roko are not going to take advantage of size. Mason Plumley, he can get the offensive board. If he gets deep enough position, you can actually dump him the ball. So it's it's definitely been a help. You know, I don't think sometimes it doesn't stand out of the page. But two points and seven rebounds in 24 minutes and plus 28, I mean, that's pretty damn good if you're talking Mason Plumley. But Bones Highland hitting his three ball, using a good, uh, doing a good job utilizing pump fakes, and Terrence Mann and him were just having fun out there. And I was having fun watching it, man. And one thing I loved about Busy, his defensive energy. His closeouts were fantastic. He's got really long arms. He does, man. He was getting the hand on. He had a nice block. I was losing it when he had that block closing out. There was another time where he got a steal with just his long arm in the passing lane. But he was really playing as hard of defense as I've seen him play. It was awesome. I feel so happy for the guy. He's younger than me. So you can say I feel happy for the kid. He's, he uh, was awesome. Terrence Mann was awesome. And Ty Lue had a gamble. He made a gamble, and that was to start the fourth quarter with Kawhi. He always takes him out. But he thought maybe we could end the game right there because SGA was going out. And he was right. So Ty Lue, I got to give him credit. He coached a solid game tonight. It still makes me mad that Robert Covington doesn't play and Marcus Morris plays way too much. But thankfully, the boys did the job. SGA never even checked back in, so we'll take that one. Clippers win it, 127-105, to 105, a nice, good old-fashioned blowout, 22-point win. They move on to 39-35 and 35 on the season, which obviously sucks, for my, in my opinion. Not a sellout tonight, 91% attendance. I mean, I wasn't there, so like obviously that means like several thousand people aren't going to show up. And um, 20%, I'm obviously joking for those listening on Spotify that can't see my face. 20 and 17 at home for us. And also the Lakers and the Mavericks thanking the Clippers for this one. Thunder lose it. Dropped to below 500 yet again. 36 and 37 on the season. 14 and 22 away from home. The fact that we got to take Kawhi Leonard out at like the eight minute mark and not bring him back in the game is great. I did not want him playing the entire second half. And the Clippers outscore the Thunder 73-51 to in the second half. 73 points. So our offense was rolling on all cylinders, and the three ball was dropping. The Thunder shot 33% from three in this game, 13 for 39. Clippers 18 for 37 from deep in the game, 48.6%. And they, were, they had 40 bench points. Actually, no more. 
30 points between Bones Highland and Terrence Mann combined. And then you had 12 from Nico, so that's 42. 51 bench points for the Clippers. No player on the Thunder that came off the bench scored doubled figures. So the Clipper bench, they showed that depth that we've been talking about all season. Um, let's read the lines. First for the Oklahoma City Thunder, nobody to talk about on the bench that really. Um, the Blasian Jalen Williams, 8 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals. 3 for 7 from the field. This uh, Jalen Williams, the one that's been playing really well lately, 16 points, 3 rebounds, 4 assists on 7 for 12 shooting and 2 for 4 from 3. So he shot the ball really well still. Lou Dort, man, he can't shoot the ball still, huh? 3 points, 6 rebounds, good defender. Kawhi was hitting the shots, though. When Kawhi's hitting the shots, nobody in the world can guard him straight up. 1 for 11 for Lou Dort and 1 for 4 from 3, so he was broke. Giddy thought he had a pretty good game. 18 points, 3 rebounds, 4 assists. He's a dime dropper, man. He, he gets the dime dropper certification. Uh, the certificate, I should say. Uh, absolutely. With both hands, too. 8 for 15 from the field. 2 for 5 from deep. And then the main man, SGA. 30 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists in just 3 quarters. 10 for 15 from the field. 66%. And one thing that he's done a great job of recently of adding to his game, he's really good at getting to the line, man. Um, 9 for 9. And nothing but net on all the free throws. I mean, his jump shot, that's the biggest difference. His jump shot has come such a long way. It's really unreal. When he was first came, I mean, his rookie year, he could not hit threes like that. Uh, he was good in the mid-range. Not like this, though. Now he's cash in the mid-range. But he was really crafty around the basket. He still had that change of pace and, like, that length around the rim. But the three ball and it's just his jumper in general and obviously his handle have just gone to another level. And now he's reached unguardable status. So if we see him in the play, that's gonna be really fun to see him perform because the last time we, we the only time we've seen him in real like meaningful games was in, were in the bubble and he was he was shook a little bit by that Rockets team. He wasn't himself. He didn't have a very good series, but things have changed and now he's the main man. He's gonna be catching all the schemes in that playing game if they make it. So let's talk about the Clippers, starting with uh, Marcus Morris, who had six points, four rebounds, and three assists on three for ten shooting and zero for four from three. He was not good. Um, Robert Covington had more points than him in five minutes. Seven points, three for three from the field. Now, granted, that's garbage time, but he cut. How many times did you see Marcus Morris cut? Not, I, don't, I don't remember once. Robert Covington cut, and Bones Highland got an assist. How about Avicii Zubats? 24 minutes, pretty quiet game from Zoo, but did his job. I, I thought, by the way, though, in the third quarter, I mean, his rim protection is just fantastic. He's strong, sh blocks shots. Love me some Zoo, dude. Love me some Zoo. He's a championship center, starting-wise, to me. Um, no matter what anyone says, I think he is. He's been awesome this year. Probably our third best player this season, I'd have to say. Better than Norman Powell, yes. Six points, ten rebounds for Zoo. Two for three from the field. Two blocks as well. And now to the bench guys who were just... Actually, no, Eric Gordon first. Wasn't great. But he was... Eh, yeah, not great. Two games that were... This one was better than the last one, but I think EJ's going to have a good game coming up. Eight points, three rebounds, and two assists for him. Three for nine from the field. Two for five from three, so he didn't shoot well from the field, but 40% from three will take all day. Only three turnovers in the second half of the Clippers. That was a big reason that they won. They took started taking care of the ball. Which brings me to the bench, who was absolutely fantastic. That nine-man rotation. Let's start with Mason Plumley. Played 24 minutes, 2.7 boards on one for two shooting. Those stats don't pop off the page, but as I said, did his job. Nico Batum was awesome. 12 points, two rebounds, three assists, two steals, zero turnovers. All his shots were threes. I say this a lot because a lot of his games, all his shots are threes. Four for six, 
awesome. We'll take that all day. And the highest plus minus of any player, this is the highest plus minus I've seen in any game the Clippers have played recently. Plus 34 when he was on the court. I mean, Nico, Nico. And then the guys who I thought were just awesome tonight. Busy and Terrence. Terrence, 14 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, only 1 turnover, 4 for 10 from the field, 2 for 6 from deep, 4 for 4 from the line in 27 minutes. He was a plus 32. And then Bones Highland, 16 points, 4 rebounds, 7 assists, 1 turnover, plus 32 when he was in the game, 6 for 13 from the field, and an amazing 4 for 7 from 3. He had more threes than any, tied for the most threes with Nico than anyone on the team. He was awesome, and you best believe he's going to play next game too. And I love that because why not? He adds stuff to our team. When you got Terrence and Bones out there at the same time, you got two guys that can attack closeouts, two guys that can get in the paint, two more good passers, and guys that want to get out and run, and they'll run with each other. And we need that more than slow old fellas. How about Russell Westbrook, though, speaking of older, but not uh, slow? 24 points. Wow, didn't feel like that. 24 points, seven dimes. Four turnovers, but those are all in the first half, if I'm not mistaken. Eight for 13 from the field. Very efficient. And here's the, the best one of all. Two for four from deep. One for two on the corner three. And when Russ made that left wing three, I knew it was a good night. I knew it was a great night. And then he was also six for eight from the line. So 75% will take that. And then Kawhi, the main man, the player of the game. 32, six rebounds, six assists, four steals, only two turnovers, so three to one assist to turnover ratio, 13 for 15 from the field, three for four from deep, only four free throw attempts. As I said, not really getting to the rim like that, but was amazing with his jump shot in, in 35 minutes of play. Clippers shot 56% from the field, 48.6% from three, win it by 22, which is a huge win. And I will be at the next game making my return to the Staples Center against the Pelicans on Saturday night. I'm going to get a vlog, and I think that'll be the second to last vlog of the season so thank you so much for joining me and by the way check out my youtube short on the laker game yesterday i talked about that a huge win against the suns which helped us so now the clippers are still only half a game behind the suns one loss less hopefully we can get that four seed so we can get home court advantage and you know what i mean kd's not back and by the way there was news on lebron james um he was reevaluated today and still you know, it says he's going to resume on-court activity soon, but it doesn't look like he's going to come back in the next three or four games. So we're looking at a very similar situation to 2021 here, where he only played four games before the season ended, and he still never really looked like he did before the Solomon Hill injury. But I don't think he's, first of all, I don't think he's ever looked like that again, but not even in one game. You know, he didn't, he didn't go off for, he didn't even score 30 in one game after that. So it uh, he wasn't the same. So I don't know how much time he's going to have to come back. That injury looked serious. But Kevin Durant's in the same boat, and obviously now Paul George is in the same boat. So we're just going to have to see. John Moran and Carl Anthony Towns came back last night, and they did their thing for their respective teams. Going to be interesting to see what they – I mean, John Morant not so much because he wasn't injured or anything. So he's going to be fine. Grizzlies will probably finish in the – I mean, that second seed and third seed race with Sacramento in them is very interesting. It doesn't really matter because the Clippers probably won't slide to six, but you never know. I don't necessarily want us to, but maybe I do. I uh, I think I want us to win games. As long as the Clippers win games, I think it's better if we went to the playoffs seven and one in our last eight than to play against uh, a six seed and having lost. I think it's better to go in with some rhythm because the Suns aren't playing very good basketball either. And Chris Paul is pretty cooked, man. 
I love him, but he's cooked. It's about time. I mean, the dude's had so many fucking injuries. He's been playing so great for so long. But we'll see. KD has a habit of just coming back like he hasn't missed a day. So, But also Paul George, for the most part, when he comes back from injury, like if you recall that Utah game last year and even this year, he comes back like he hasn't missed a day either. He's just a natural-born, both of those two are just natural-born hoopers, bucket-getters, stars. So I think they'll be fine, but I think right now all we can do is focus on the next game. And I think we can definitely beat the Pelicans without uh, Zion, by the way. By the way, Brandon Ingram, triple-double tonight. But no Zion, no Paul George, advantage Clippers, especially at home. So I'm going to be in the building. We'll see what happens. The race is really looking cool all the way around. Some really great races um, throughout the NBA. And I'm going to be here for the ride. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DimeDropperPod. And make sure to subscribe and hit the notification bell. Now I'm going to go to the live subscribers waiting patiently in the chat. A little 40-minute episode for you. Trying to get as much as I can. And by the way, Ty Lu, I want to say this before I end. Ty Lu, there was a rumor today by Jake Fisher, reported by him, that he may walk away this summer. And as I say to that, if he's going to continue to coach like this, good. As much as I love the guy and thank him for everything he's done. He's not had a good season. But I don't want to talk about next season. Let's talk about this season. And to do that, let's listen to the live subscribers waiting patiently in the chat. Super Chats are turned on if you want to drop a dollar or a dime. Peace.